What's going on, everybody? It is Jeremy, and I am back with episode number 17 of How to Survive in a Family Business Without Losing Your Mind, the podcast where I talk to other people like myself that have experience working in a family business of some kind. Today is September 4th, 2020. I do know that I said that I'd have it out on the first, but that was my one-year wedding anniversary, and I went away with my wife. I wasn't able to get it done before going, which is what I was shooting to do. So I do apologize for that, uh, but I'll try to get it onto a schedule here going forward. On this episode, I sat down with a good friend of mine, Crystal Diamond. She owns Characters Cafe and Coffee Roasters a few doors down from us at Crown Trophy. Her ex-boyfriend, Mike Petrak, is her best friend as well as her business partner. Mike and Crystal debated on the type of business they were going to start, and Crystal debated with herself on the location she wanted the store to be in for quite some time. In 2015, the opportunity to buy the coffee shop in the Oak Hill Shopping Center arose, and they took it. Crystal and I discussed this, as well as working with her husband, her kids, and her close friends. This interview was originally over two and a half hours long, but Crystal and I do tend to tangent and drift off topic quite a bit, so I did a lot of editing to cut it down for time, and most of the stuff I cut I don't really believe was relevant to the podcast anyway. You'll probably hear some of our tangenting in this, because, but I, I felt like it was at least of a little bit of value. Anyway, without any further ado, here is my interview with Crystal Diamond. I'm here today with my friend Crystal Diamond. Crystal Diamond, I have a coffee shop that's located in the Oak Hill Shopping Center in Suite 7, which is just a few shops down from Jeremy's Crown Trophy. I have owned this coffee shop for five years. I have been in Pleasanton, California for 22 years. Mm -hmm. And one of my first jobs was in the same shopping center next door to where Crown Trophy Pleasanton is. So how did you end up finding the place? How did you end up getting to take over (laughs) Coffee Co. and make it into characters? Oh, my God. So once it was announced that I was creating Characters Cafe, mm-hmm. Charles, who is one of the most nicest gentlemen ever, actually was a regular here when Emma and Dennis owned it. And I kid you not, the very first person who gave me advice or recommendation for a location was Charles. And Charles was like, you know the Oak Hill Shopping Center? You should talk to Emma and Dennis. They've been in the business for like almost 28 years now. Mm-hmm. And it's changed and they're looking to get out, I think. And I was like, but I really want Sanol. <laughs> and I was so steadfast on Sanol. Was it Casabella now? Is that what it's called? The place in Sanol, yes. Yeah. yeah, right? I can't imagine. That place <laughs> should be huge. You got, what would you do with all that space? The business plan was like set where we do magic tournaments and mm-hmm. and gaming tournaments and oh, have our I live guess, music I guess, stuff. I guess that makes sense. So it the comic book portion, yeah, would be in right here and yeah. events, and then inside the cafe would be the stupidest idea of whatever I thought because what it is now is so beautiful. Like they did a really beautiful, oh, yeah, really money nice. invested job That's in it. Job. <laughs> the universe needed Casabella. So, anyway. so, okay, so Charles tells me about this place. I end up going my own road. Yeah. I, I leave the comfort of employment. I've saved up enough money to be able to create 
the seeds for this business. At the same time, like we were still looking for our investments to put into it. And then I go to a hockey rink where I end up, we end up spending a lot of money of our own money on top of their money. And so we looked in Livermore, we looked at a few locations in Livermore, talked to a few property managers. And then I was at that point where I was like, I don't know where it's supposed to go. I sat down with a friend and he was like, what is more important is the business of characters. Is your business plan, this thing you've worked so hard for, what's important? Or is it the location that's important? And so I go, this is the baby I've worked on. This is what's most important to me. And then it was rethinking like, well, do I put it in a like a truck and grow because you hear businesses like blue bottle and all of them who blue bottle started with there's only medium roast coffee in a 12 ounce cup and you paid 250 for it and you walked away and there was no other special things and so there's stories like that and there's stories about you know roasters mr pete's is a great story too where he came from italy and and first and brought it here. Then people started paying, like as he grew and grew and grew in that Berkeley location, people would pay to learn how to do what he did. So there's so many different avenues we could have took and how we wanted to start and grow, but coming to the important lesson of what is most important, the business plan or a location, and not having my heart broken by the fact that I didn't get this in all location. It would have had to have been a destination place. And as a new business, it's really, really hard oh, to yeah. do. It's really hard to do. Yeah. And unless you are already in trade magazines, unless you already have that celebrity chef, uh, and even with those, it doesn't mean it doesn't guarantee you success. It doesn't mean you're going to break the 18 month marker. And that's typically when new businesses start to fail. Yeah. So in the year marker, you, you start to recognize we're still in the red. 18 months is when you start to to drown. What is the statistic? Like 70% of the new businesses don't make it. 30% make it through the threshold. And of that 30% that make it through the threshold at 18 months, it's not a guarantee you hit five years. I'm not going to fact check that. So no, I, yeah, I, I mean, don't, I don't know what the I knew are, this was this. It is high. It yeah. Is high. yeah. It's, there is a high. And it's such a, it's such a, Oh man, it's a crushing fact. Like it, I'm this, yeah. th- that number will vary year by year yeah. and season by season and industry by industry. True. That's true too. It's crushing, right? Like how horrible is that? It is because so many people just, I like to do this and I want to do this, but they don't necessarily think through everything or they don't, it's not even necessarily that they don't think through it. Sometimes they just don't know because if you don't, if you're new to an industry, even if, even if you're a tradesman in that industry, it doesn't mean you know how to run a business in that industry, whatever the industry is. Yes. Typically, when I would like career consult people who wanted to leave employment sector and wanted to become their own boss, mm-hmm. I would have the conversation about what their passions were. Mm-hmm. Because if it is not your passion, when you hit like month six and you're like, I've had no days off, I am exhausted. And you're struggling. And you're yeah. struggling emotionally, physically, mentally. Everything. Yeah. And the people around you don't understand. Like they want you to just hang out. Come on, let's go out. Why can't you? Oh my God, your business and da da da. And you feel like I'm a fail. I'm failing. 
that passion is going to be what says, you know what? I'm we not can, giving up. I can do, can this. do this. Yeah. 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 And so I, I say immediately, if it's not your passion, you're not buy that franchise. Sure. Okay. That's fine. But how are you going to feel six months when you're having a hard time? Unless it's, unless you're passionate about making sandwiches and you buy that box franchise and it's, it's your, it's your passion, then okay. That makes sense. Okay. Do that. Or if somebody is wanting to leave the employment sector and they want to be their own boss and it's this kind of therapy, it's a psychology of opening up your mind to what are your talents, what are you passionate about, and where are your strengths? If you're not good at books, well, you might be more of a CEO, sort of a create this business this way, but you are still going to have to hire somebody. Um, if you're great at photography and you're really great at being personal, selling the photography, those photos and stuff like that, those packages, you might not be good in the back in the math and stuff. And so you are going to have to hire somebody to do your books. So it's, it's being realistic. But always, no matter what, if you're going to leave the employment sector to be your own boss, you have to love what you're about to do. And that's the other thing, too, I think that a lot of people don't think about is they don't take into account their own shortcomings. Yes. And everybody has them. It's okay to have them. You need to find someone to to co- cover that. Yeah. And, and make up for your shortcomings and have them be good at it. If you're not good at numbers, you need somebody that is good at numbers yeah. to deal with it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to bring them on as a partner. I, I have a lot of people who come to me who want to start their own restaurant business because they love baking or in the coffee industry. They love coffee. They love this. And it's this conversation of, well, is this your passion? Okay. Are you good with books? Okay. Now tell me in five minutes what it looks like. Like, What does your coffee shop or your bakery or your this feel like? And and there's a lot of creativity that goes into it. You see your mind's eye of what your dream is. And then the crushing reality of, okay, then, if you want to make that happen, what's your first step? Well, it also depends because if you just want it to be a side thing and it's going to stay a side thing and you're going to keep your job doing whatever you're doing. Yes. And you're going to put in two, seven, twelve 15 hours a week on the side, that's fine. You can but do whatever is to supplement your income. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing about that, though, is that when you're doing your 30 to 40 hour work week, and then you're thinking, oh, I'm going to do the side hustle, and I'm going to make, I'm going to do like farmer's market breads or baked goods. Now, all of a sudden, I've got, I started with like a few friends, like three of them wanted some once a week. Now, all of a sudden, they've told a few more friends. So my side hustle all of a sudden becomes more than I had bargained for. It can if you don't have... Boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries are super important. So no matter what it is, people don't mind being told, I'm sorry, I am booked for this amount I'm of time. from now to yeah. the end of the yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to come you, back in January, yeah. you know, like... Can you come here? And, and that, that works in some cases, depending on what it is you're working on. I think... The hardest part for sometimes what happens with people is I say, well, okay, start baby steps. Like, would you like to try come in side, use my kitchen? Because as long as you're certified as food handler, you can come in and you can bake stuff. And so it's, it's one of those things. So you get people in, have them test out what it is they like. This space is meant to be used in the efforts of what I'm all about and at the center of what Characters Cafe is, it's, we don't do all the things we do because we are like, hey, look at us, which probably makes me a really bad business owner. 
but it is at the core of who we are. Like, how can we help you? We're, yeah. we're an institution of service. Like Disneyland without all the, you know, billions of dollars. <laughs> with yeah. Disneyland with the dollar, the single, single dollar. One dollar. <laughs> That's what we have. Okay, so back to, you know, an hour and a half ago. <laughs> um. <laughs> so what happened was Emma and I start talking. We build up a relationship and the conversation about taking over and what that looks like, what my goal is. I, she read my business plan. It was maybe a few months until I had the money to hand her cash. And I was like, here we go. So I say that I willed this into existence and I have kept it by willing it into existence. No, that's not true. But it's by the grace of all the community and people that I'm surrounded by who are much smarter, who look at me and go, wow, she's a hot mess. We should take charity upon her and help her. Talk about the dynamics of working with your significant other, both the past one that you're our business partners with and your current husband. Just a little bit. (laughs) Oh my God, this is the whole point of your podcast. This is the real point of my podcast. This is the fun part for you. Let me start with, I know what it's like to be near me. So, (laughs) yeah, right. So I take this step backwards before I I will answer this question. To work with somebody like me is not easy. And I'm very aware of that. I am one of those people. Yeah, go ahead. Say what you're going to say. I mean, being friends with someone (laughs) like you is not easy. (laughs) True story. I mean, I'm not going to, I can't deny that, right? Because it's really how it is. I am one of those people who always has an idea. I'm always excited about something. Until I'm not excited about something and then I go in a spiral of depression, but it's so working with somebody or being around somebody like me, it is either going to be contagious and you're going to be excited yourself and inspired yourself, or you're going to be so fucking annoyed. Most of the time, I think I hit the annoying factor, but people laugh at me because it is funny. I'm annoyingly funny. It is true. It's like, tone it down a notch. And I'm like, no, this is me toning it down a notch. Could you imagine if I didn't have an edit button or a toning down notch button? So in that I know how, where my shortcomings are is that I have a lot of ideas. I don't communicate like everyone else does. That's definitely true. So I can vouch for that statement. (laughs) I need interpreters. I will have a conversation with somebody and be busy in my mind while I'm having the conversation and also physically. So I will talk to people and walk away and still carry on. Like they heard everything I said. So now that shortcoming in reference to my business partner, Mike, and in reference to my husband, John is rough because I will then think they know everything that I just said but then become annoyed that they didn't understand because as they're saying, I didn't hear what you said. I'm like, it's a process of elimination. Obviously, if I'm doing this one thing Obviously, and you see, yeah, yeah. But also, but there's this, there's this spot of like kind of breaking it down in the sense of what makes most sense, which picture here is out of place, this dirty dish or like, you know, all these clay dishes. I think Where that, I think a lot of people have that same issue. Like, I mean, even, I don't work with my wife and we have that sometimes where it's like, 
you don't you're not reading my mind at this moment <laughs> in time. You or, I think that's just something that in relationships, whether in, actually in any relationship, doesn't necessarily need to be a romantic relationship. Any relationship, yeah. I think that happens in. I think so too. That has a lot to do with the difference of the sexes. Yeah. So my best friend Emily and Sarah can come in, and I will be talking. I will walk away. I will come right back. And they have started whatever it was that we were talking about, or they will interpret for the people around me what I was saying. So, like, true story, this is going to digress a little, but Emily and I were playing charades. I kid you not, it only took us one gesture each time, and we knew exactly what each other was thinking and would say it out loud. Sometimes there's just a connection that you have with people that you don't like. My brother and I. Stacy said this to me at one point and we were, we didn't say anything. I don't even remember what was going on, but something happened and we just shot each other a look and then moved on. And we both acknowledged exactly whatever it was. And Stacy just looks at me and she's like, you guys have your own language. <laughs> stop talking quietly <laughs> to each other like that. Stop, stop doing that. Say it out loud. No, I totally, I, yeah, siblings are like that. My brothers are the, the same way. Like, I'll look at one of them across, too. and they'll be like... I don't need to include my sister. She doesn't listen to this fucking <laughs> podcast. She can do it. I'm going to pretend that she can't, but she can't. <laughs> I think with this podcast, I'm starting to just make fun of my sister to see if she ever comments on it. Because, you know, it'll be funny if it's like three years from now. She's like, hey, jerk. You can't say that about me. And I'll be like, that was from three years ago. You have to give a tidbit. Like, each time, yeah. like something about... funny your sister did when she was little. Oh, that's a good. Like, my Sorry. my Go. brothers could do the same thing, too. Like, I could shoot my brothers a look, and we have had a whole entire conversation, and we knew exactly what was going to happen next. But I also think there's just people who compliment where my strengths are. There is someone, there's somebody who might have different sort of strength level in that area but where my weaknesses are they have a super strength in that so the ability to put up with an annoying obnoxious you know person like me that's where their strengths are because they've dealt with enough annoying obnoxious sure. people so so they're used to it so they know how to communicate in a different way or or read people's minds in a different way so i know that is a problem so working with me so and i so i and because i'm also like i always have all these ideas it's always hard to know which one I'm putting a pin in and it's going to be the focus mm -hmm. because I'm focused on everything. I have to be. That's just how my brain yeah. works. Yeah, Does like it do too. well? No. But <laughs> I'm like that too in a way where I'm, you know, my dad's a salesperson mm -hmm. and I'm much more operational. And so I'm always thinking about everything in the store really, whereas he's thinking about the things outside the store. And for the most part, that works pretty well. But sometimes I have that issue where I'm, I'm ready to start doing something. He's like, wait, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just doing this. And I'll say something real quick. And he's like, go back, explain that. I just want to get started on this. I don't want to go back and explain to you my thought process from step one to step. I'm already on step nine. Why do I need to start over? Twins. We are twins. So with that though being said, have you found being inside operational? Like for me... I do operational and outside, but when I say operational, I'm like, okay, this needs to be clean. This needs to be organized. These need to be put here. That needs to be ground. That needs, so there's 20 million things inside a facility yeah. that need to be taken care of. Yeah. But 
someone comes in and they're like focused on the one thing and they're going to just do that one thing. And I'm like, could you finish that one thing up now? And then can we do these 20 million things here? Yeah. And they're like steadfast in that thought process of like, and I had to train myself that people don't think like I do. And people aren't going to be as passionate about the 20 million things as I am. And I have to accept that. And I have to behave in a way that is okay and still part of a team and still part of like the leadership role is to never minimize or put down people because they're not thinking at that same level as you, but it's to help carry that and, and help nurture the process of, okay, well, looking where their strengths are and finishing that one thing they did and making sure they learned to do that one thing really well. And then what does the next thing look like? Unless you're Mike and John and I'm yelling like, but well, I would get frustrated because I would be mopping, sweeping, you know, doing the day, like before I do anything fun, case in point, before this interview started, I had to make sure everything was done. Like there's a to-do list of things to be done before you can sit down and enjoy a meal. But so, okay. So I know my shortcomings, how I see things, how I do things. My motivations are different than other people. I'm a big picture sort of person. And so as I look at big picture, not everybody buys into the big picture. And sometimes people are like, can you focus on the little picture? And I'm like, no, I need to focus on the big picture because I like to walk backwards. I like to look at the yeah, whole of something and then go all the way back so I can see the line of how it has to happen. In reverse. In yeah, in reverse. In, yeah. Yes. And so that's not easy to do for people who like to start small and then want to build their way, even though I am going to still start small, when I'm explaining like this great big production for 12 hours of, you know, fundraising and they're like, John's like, why can't we just do two hours? And I'm like, because by the time someone decided to share it, we'd already be done. At least if there's 12 hours, just like KQED does, they have a lot of time to catch up. Yeah. So in knowing my shortcomings, also I'm emotionally all over the map right now because of COVID. So my partner has to put up with me being like, I can't get into the back of the coffee shop. I'm in the car crying still for 30 minutes. I make fun of myself during this, but the reality of the panic attack was so crushing and so debilitating that the only reason I got out of the car was because I made a deal with myself that I was going to bring breakfast to a customer who was really nice to me when I was sad. And so my partner has to deal with that husband has to deal with that. And that's where their strengths are. You know, like it's not easy to have somebody to see someone you love to have your, you know, your partner yeah. be so broken, I guess is a good way to put it. Cause it's a truth uh, it, it, right now is COVID-19 happening and I'm in the fight to save the shop's life. And as this has happened, you know, in different ways um, before, like when I was sick, because I push myself so hard and then my body just gives out. Yep. And there's this level of how I push myself that drives them kind of crazy because I will be eventually the first one here. I should say ish on the door. First one here ish. <laughs> first one here. I'm the first one here. I'm always the last one to leave anything. And so I will go days with little sleep and long nights here and now add a toddler to it and trying to get everything done. And my body will at some point give out. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not resting and I, I can't rest. So 
my business partner who has watched me go through so much, even my kid's dad were like, she's pushing herself again. And now she's in the hospital. Like my first time of being in the hospital from owning the coffee shop and they're visiting me and they're like, okay, like, what do we do now? And I'm like, nothing We're I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to go back to meditating and we're going to do this. But it's not like any of them decided they weren't going to stop stressing me out though. Let's be honest. Like they're, they know what I'm doing and there's a list of stuff that needs to get done. But does anyone go like, oh, I'm going to mop. That'll help take that from your plate. Oh, you need the garbage taken out. Oh, without me complaining, adolescents, children, you know. So talk about that a little bit more. Talk about your working with your kids or in your case, I think it's probably more like you're forcing your kids to work for you. Well, it was the first year, like the first year, their chores. So I come from a culture of you work with your family. Like I come from in a culture of that. If your family needs help, it's a family thing. Um, And I would say like beyond just the Asian culture to which I belong, you know, is, identify with and I I am uh lots of other cultures are like that I think it's a thing that outside of that I don't know if it's so prevalent I I mean I don't have a lot of like I knew all my friends who whose families owned restaurants and whose own like grocery store like little convenience stores my friends would just help their parents I always thought it was cool to help my friends who were helping their parents. And it wasn't like they got paid. It was just something they had to do. And we would always find it so weird when we would go to to our friend's house whose family owned some other business of a different ethnicity. And like they didn't have to work in their grocery store or their restaurant or their shoe store. They just got to do whatever they wanted and they got money. And we're like, what? Like, are you kidding me? And, but my mom would have me work for her company, but they would give me like $5 and stuff here and there. It's like an alarm. Yeah. Like more than anything. Yeah. Because it's kind of, it's kind of like, you're, it is it's like you kind of, like you said, it's, it's your chores. It's not really, Yeah. it's not you getting put to work. It's your, you're doing chores like a lot of other kids have to do at their house. Yeah. So if one family member succeeds and the whole family succeeds, right? That's, yeah. that is that whole mentality mm-hmm. of, uh, generations working together because then the whole family succeeds the multi-generational projects or or ownerships they all succeed that didn't happen to my family (laughs) like my kids despised working because I always made sure my kids volunteered like they always had to do something to pay it forward and they had to help work and they had to do something that was always arts like there were always these things and a sport Not that they were ever forced into anything specific. They just got to pick those ones. And those are the things that I wanted them to nurture and grow from. So in a workplace that their mother owns, it was different for them. They were, because they had worked with me so often at the various employments that I had done, they just were disenchanted with work. But if you ask any of their employers, they are the hardest working people that they hired. And they're always complimented on how well they work and how they're able to problem solve. I never hovercraft them. I, they, I would show them by example. But so my kids all have that. When it came to characters, there was this enthusiasm until it became a reality. And then it's not all of a sudden you're not wealthy like my other friends who own businesses. Yeah. You're not 
normal, like my other friends who own businesses, it's not okay. And I found out that my children felt at some point that I always chose the shop over them. Even though I would close for like birthdays and I would try to do these sort of things, they had always felt my business mind, even before characters, was a priority. So as a parent, to hear that is devastating. Oh my gosh, I thought I was doing this the right way, and now I'm doing it the wrong way. So in therapy, what I would work through is the guilt I have. As an entrepreneur, when you have that mindset, and you're always working towards wanting to be good at something and and you're wanting to create something, whether it was the coffee shop or any of the other things I had done previously, there are sacrifices that you don't recognize as they're happening. Right. And even though, like I said, I was still, I was pushing myself. It kind of comes down to, at least I think it comes down to you either, you have that entrepreneurial gene or you don't. Yeah. If you do, like I feel I do, so I can feel where you're coming from. If you don't, you're not going to understand. And it's something that, you know, I've had enough discussions with my wife to know that she doesn't understand. She doesn't want to. Yeah. So it's, it's just trying to find that middle ground. And with a kid, it's definitely different. I don't know yet from experience. You will. Soon enough. But if they don't have that, then they're not going to understand. And yeah, I can see how it's like putting your business above them. Before Stacey and I lived together, you know, I'd see her as much as I could, but she didn't realize that when I leave at 7.30 to go over to her parents' house to have dinner, I'm leaving early. <laughs> I would have been there for another hour and a half yeah. if I didn't have anything to do. Like, I'm leaving to go to do something. And so once we moved in together, we kind of had that adjustment period of, you know, it's like 7 o'clock, and she's like, well, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at work. This learning curve that has happened. Yeah. So where I have this mindset, and it's a very strong mindset, to sit in the uncomfortableness of knowing my shortcomings as a co-owner, as a wife, as a mother, and taking ownership of them, and apologizing for what I can, and accepting the things that are beyond my being able to just apologize for and that be accepted. But to not have that mindset that I have, my kids don't have it. But they might when they get older. Right, they might. But for right now, they like working for people. And I'm always sure. the type of person that's like, well, you could start a business doing this, this, and yeah. this. Or you could be a YouTuber. Yeah, and this, this, this. and my kids are that, like, yeah. stop. I don't know if I want that, stop. Mom. Yeah. And John, that's what happened with me 24-7 with the, he'll have an idea or he'll say something. And I'll be like, here's how we can jump on that. You can make it happen by doing this, 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 this. And he's like... Sometimes it's unsettling how it's more excited you can be for somebody than they're excited about it themselves. It's true. I get, I genuinely get excited for people because I would like them to be as excited as I am. It's a control thing. Yeah. I've learned. So I try not to overdo it, but I can't help it. I have a story for you that's okay. along the lines of entrepreneurial or not. So uh, a week or two ago, I'm out with some friends and we're just drinking and hanging out and she asked how my honeymoon was last year and we, we talked about you know it's fucking great it was the first time it's the first and it's the only time that i've completely unplugged from work and she goes well what do you mean and i'm like yeah i'm like what do you mean what do i mean and she goes it's the only time you've ever unplugged from work and i'm like well since i started working at my parents store since i started working at crown trophy 
and became a real part of it and like started taking over operations and doing things. Yeah, it was the only time I've ever gone an entire week without thinking about it. And she goes, so like right now, and I'm like, I'm, it's not that I'm not here. It's not that I'm not present. I'm present in this conversation. But I am looking around and I see that hat that guy is wearing. And I think I could probably make that. And I see this other thing and it gives me an idea to do something else. And it's just me making mental notes in the back of my head or making a note on my phone. It's just that it's always on. They don't understand, then they don't understand. Do you feel uncomfortable sometimes in the fact that your brain is always like that? No. Really? I can see there's times that I wish I was normal. I wish that when I would look at things, I could just look at things like people look at things. But I'm always looking at things and at people in a way like, how can I be of assistance? How can I be of service to what it is they need? Right. And how could I create this for characters? Okay, my phone has 25,000 photos on it. But there are 5,000 photos on my camera, though, that are of restaurants. They're pictures of their menus. And I look at it and I go, like, wow, that's actually a really great idea. Or if they would have done this differently. I'm always looking for the next edge. Yeah. And so that's unfortunate for people who have to go, like, look at me like, is there something wrong with her? Why isn't she making eye contact? And I'm like, it's not me lying. I'm, ta- I'm here. I'm talking to you. I'm just looking at, is that person going to walk into the coffee shop? Is that person... You're just kind of being observant. Yeah. Noticing everything around you. Cause, yeah. Because yeah, I'm in that same way. Yeah. So that's that's hard. I mean, but I like being me, so that's okay. My, my spouse, though, sometimes probably wishes. <laughs> but that's hard because he doesn't have the same history with me as my business partner does. My business partner, even though he and I did not stay united as a couple, we stayed united as best friends. And he knows me on a different level. Sure. So how he comes to putting up with me is different. Right. He knows how to communicate with me just enough that I don't strangle him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And sometimes he just takes it. Like sometimes he's like, you were being so irrational. Yeah, sure. Fine. I'll do it. Whatever. Yeah. Where John is like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would you do six out? Why wouldn't you just do six hours instead of 12 hours? And why wouldn't you do two hours instead of six hours? And then there becomes this process, like where, how you were talking about working with your dad in that you have all these things that you're looking at. And he's like, explain that to me. Yeah. He doesn't really want to stop and explain this to you right now. Yeah. And so John wants me to explain it and then wants to pick it apart because that's how he sees things things with detail. And he's a drug and alcohol counselor. So there's like nuances of everything like he's, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, it just needs to get done. And he's like, listen, I'm not filling any blank. So you're going to have to explain it to me. And I'm like, okay, can you just be positive about it? And that's the other thing too, is like how I am, is so different than them. There is this ridiculous amount of positiveness that is 100% genuine in the fact that I will always try to find a silver lining in anything and everything. It comes from the nature of playing devil's advocate. So when you can look at both sides of something and you're not steadfast, unless it's a human rights issue, uh, I am pretty much will listen to and observe both sides of everything and figure out, or the 360 of it is what I like yeah. to tell people. Yeah. I, there's so yeah, many, I like to do that too. The, the, having empathy 
is yes. a wonderful personality trait to have. People think they have it, but you can see based on demonstrations of how they are towards the discord in argument or or in difference of opinion, that there's not a lot of empathy. And there's a lot of snarky, condescending, you know, wanting to be right. And we live in a time when being right is more important than being heard. Yeah, I guess. All right, I'm bringing it back. Okay. So what's your least favorite thing about working with your family, with your significant others, with your kids, with your business partner, partner, with your, even your really close friends that come in and and work and help you out. You suck, Will. Yeah. Even (laughs) even your close friends that you consider family. What is your least favorite thing about working with them all, with family? God, that empathy button I have because I see what is the thing I like least about all of it and it all ends up going back to me. You know what I mean? Like, I am so passionate about everything Mm -hmm. and that people don't bring it to my level. This was literally the conversation we were having last night. John was like, I don't understand why this has to happen this way or this way, or I feel this way. And I'm like, I am not going to force people into wanting to be this excited or this afraid. And so the fact that I can't make people like, see things the way I see them. I I don't have that sort of control and I should never have that sort of control. But the fact that I am the, what is that person that has like the, the symbols, the drum, the harmonica, and they have like little symbols on their knees. Like, you know, like I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of what that's called in a cheerleader skirt. I don't like, I don't understand why people don't want to come to that level of craziness. Again, though, I recognize that it's crazy. It's kind of that no one is going to care as much as you are about your own business. I'm like this about everything. I No, I know. <laughs> but uh, right now I'm just talking about business. But it's, it's along the same lines. And it, it's actually even true for, or it used to be true for me. Like my, my parents obviously cared a lot more about the shop than me or my siblings did, especially when we were younger. And even now, probably my siblings same thing like I and my parents care about it more than they do mm-hmm. because we're there that's our livelihood that's what we are focused on we want that to be successful yeah and while my brother and sister 100% are behind us and they want us to be successful as well they're much happier being on the sidelines for it than right in the middle of it yeah such a weird perspective of you want people to care as much they can't you because can't. it's not it's not their walk. You can't. I would say the best you can do is make somebody get to like an eight out of ten. And that's really good. Well for me, how I feel about it is they don't have to care about everything the same level I do. Like it's one thing to care about characters on every level to which I care about it mm-hmm. is not realistic. Correct. But what they can do is care about one thing at the same level I do. And that's a realistic expectation. I don't think it is. I think so, you're wrong. like, for John, caring about D&D at the same level I care about it, because it's the one, like, he still cares about all the other stuff. Just not at the same level as me. But when it comes to gaming, that's his passion. So he is really excited about that. And he really gets behind that. With Mike, it starts to become the conversation of coffee. Like, that's, he cares a lot about coffee. And so the beans matter to him. 
my kids were like, this place looks like an old person's house. <laughs> they care about its presentation sure. and its, its hipness at the same level I do. But to ask somebody to come in and it be that is not manageable. It's not, it just can't happen. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite part? The good side. I'm going to cry. The favorite part. I knew you were going to ask this. About working with all your friends and your family. I love that question. It's a really good question because it's what my fuel is. My why, what's at my center is this passion for being of service. And so taking my friends and family along on this ride that I know what I see as the big picture is what it has to offer everybody. You know, when we hit that success pinnacle, I don't think of success in the same way that I think a lot of people think of success. What do you mean? I don't think success is like, I've got this big house and I've got all these cars and I've got, you know, a helicopter. I don't think of success like that. I think of success as (laughs) genuinely. I'm just laughing at the fact that you slipped in and out of an accent. (laughs) Maybe more than one. (laughs) I think of success in the cliche thing of like, what is my happy meter? And what is my friend's happy meter at? Mm -hmm. And so taking this journey... And this leap of faith in myself, in the people that I'm surrounded by in the universe and saying, no matter what the journey is, I'm going to be okay with it. And recognizing the journey of Characters Cafe and I are so closely intertwined and through that psychology of all of it, that the journey is this beautiful thing and appreciating all the highs and the lows and being in that moment and loving that process, this journey of each day, each moment is, is my favorite part, right? That's what my whole passion is of being of service and being creative. And here is this place I get to do it and I get to do it with the people I love and people I didn't know that I loved that then become people I love and I would do anything for. Like I have always been of the mind, thank you Barbie for having said this once before, I set the table for more people than who are currently coming. Like, I have set the table for the friends I have not met yet. So there's always more food than needs to be made. There's always more seats than need to be seated. But it's with that belief that here at Characters or in my own home, which this, you know, becomes sometimes, is that that's the next adventure. Like, there's there, the, the journey has this turn, and there's going to be somebody new who's going to be in it. So I'm so lucky. Like, I get to do that. I get to do what I'm passionate about with the people I'm passionate for. Next topic, and it may be short, maybe long, probably knowing you, it's going to be long. If you could give yourself some advice Mm -hmm. when you realized that characters was no longer just like a pipe dream and you you got your location, give yourself some advice that's just all it's going to do. It's not really going to change much. You're still going to end up right here. Okay. On this podcast right now. So emotional resilient. It's not going to change the journey. All it's going to do is help you along the way. It's going to help you, whether that's mentally, physically, whatever like that. It just, but everything else basically stays the same. Because like you said, you can't change the past. Do you ask everyone this question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do they ever say, like, have you seen Endgame? <laughs> no. That's a good, good response, though. Changing the past does not change the future. Um. Emotional resilience. 
I would advise 2015 me. I would advise, I'm 42 now, so 37-year-old me. I would just advise me to be more emotionally resilient. Like, it's going to be okay, even when it's not okay. Wow. I have a very divisive question for you. Is a hot dog a sandwich? We had this conversation. It is something... Uh, You haven't had this conversation with anyone that's going to listen to it. Okay. It's a bun. It's bread, right, in this theory. So there's there's several schools of thought. Subway, who makes sandwiches, does not not cut the bread Mm -hmm. all the way around. Oh, no, it's Togo's. Subway does, because they put to the side... Togo's doesn't cut the bread all the way around, so it hinges. Uh-huh. So if you buy into the theory that Subway sandwich is a sandwich because it hinges and it's two bread with meat in the middle and you don't mind that it wasn't cut all the way, then a hot dog is a sandwich. Uh-huh. But if you come through the school of theory that it has to be two separate pieces of bread of some sort, right. bun or other, uh-huh. and they have to be disjointed, uh-huh. then it's not a sandwich. What is it then? It's hot dog. So, I'm not asking for each side. I want. Is to a know, lion a cat? I want. Well, yeah, a lion's a fucking cat. I really hope my brother-in-law listens to this because he'll enjoy this. <laughs> Three years from now, he's going to hear this. And he's... Yeah. All right. So along the same lines, then, uh, is chowder soup? It's clam chowder soup. Chowder is still soup. It's a it's a subcategory of soup. What about chili? It is still a sub... When you go into a menu and you look up soups, chili is under soups. What about stew? That's why they call it soup of the day, and chili can find there. What about stew? Stew is another subcategory of soups. Okay. This is why I asked you about the cat question. Um, Katie, who works for us. Mm-hmm. Who's a lovely person. She is, and she's, she's cool. much smarter than you on this subject. She's much smarter than you, too. She would say all of those things are soup-adjacent. But they're not soup. And she is correct. You're wrong. Last one for you. A Pop-Tart. It's clearly a ravioli, right? Based on what? It's completely covered in the fillings inside, Mm -hmm. completely wrapped in there. Mm -hmm. So you'd say no. It is not a ravioli. What is a Pop-Tart, though, if it's not a ravioli? I don't know. You tell me. It is a ravioli. It's not a ravioli. But it's also not... It is a ravioli. It's, it's a breakfast bread. ravioli. It, I, that's closer to being a sandwich than being no a ravioli. No fucking way. In the idea, like, if you make it, have you ever made a jelly sandwich? Like Uncrustables? Yeah. It's without peanut butter. And then it's, and then it's aged for 20 years, and they put frosting on it. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't it like, what are those things, Twinkies, where they last forever? Also raviolis. No, you, there's so much wrong with you. Dessert raviolis. Dessert raviolis. All right, let's let's wrap it up here. In conclusion. Thank you for being on my podcast. You're welcome. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I'm so honored that you asked me to. Like, being genuinely honored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last thing. No, seriously, to thank you (laughs) for doing this, please feel free to promote whatever you'd like. I would like to promote on Martin Luther King Jr. Day across the street at the Senior Center that I hope next year this event gets to take place again is the Volunteers Day. And it's super awesome because you get to find out all the things in Pleasanton that you can volunteer for. Also, there's this coffee shop in Pleasanton that really loves Volunteers Day and because that's a part of its 
core is being of service to the community. So if you find yourself wanting to support a small business that has a really great big huge heart, we do coffee and teas and smoothies and food, Italian sodas. When it's not COVID-19, we play games. We are going to have online stuff that we'll get to do with our online programming starting this month. So Characters Cafe and Coffee Roasters. Thank you again for being on the podcast, Crystal. It's my pleasure. You're awesome. Despite what people say about you. All right. Well, that's going to be it for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and or shared the podcast with somebody else that might get some value out of it. I'd like to thank Crystal again for taking some time to let me interview her. As always, I'm looking for more good guests to have on the podcast. So if you or someone you know is interested in being interviewed or if you have any constructive feedback for me, please feel free to hit me up on Anchor. DM me on Twitter at JMF Rosenblatt. Uh, on Instagram at the real Jeremy Rosenblatt, or you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening. I'll be back in a few weeks. <laughs>